Hey y'all, Julian here again. If you're listening to this and haven't listened to the first half of this episode, go listen to that now. It'll be on whatever podcasting app you use as part one, and then this is going to be part two, because once again, it was such a long episode, and due to a few things that kind of set us back in our schedule, uh, we're releasing this in two halves. We should be back to uh, normal recording in a normal schedule pretty soon, so bear with us, and then enjoy the episode. Cue the intro. So now we want to talk a little bit about color, color identity, play styles, and things that we like, and maybe a little bit of things that we don't like because we love talking smack here. So um, we're just going to go around the horn, talk about uh, what our favorite mono color is, favorite guild combo, which is two, favorite sharder wedge, which is three colors, and kind of uh, talk about our philosophies on those different pairs, what we like about them, and kind of how it is that it fits into our play style. I... I'm a huge fan of green, and I realize that this will bring hate and shame upon my family, but it's just the best color. Overall, for monocolor decks, I think that easily my color that I feel the most connected with, but also really enjoy the most. Earlier in my notes, I wrote, I do not enjoy the staccato notes of control gameplay. I love the timpani and bass behind Timmy plays, and I think that's just what green is here for, is just consistent just slamming fatties playing powerful cards just nice and even steady ramp up to success i definitely started liking green i think it was because when i was a young boy and didn't really understand what i was doing in the realm of anything and i would go to target and just pick up whatever cool uh, trading card packs existed i ended up with like an elves versus goblins dual deck and, like, I immediately took to the elves, and like uh, Eric said, I love jumping into, like, you know, green can get plays going fast, and it's very easy to, like, kind of comprehend the the Hulk smash gameplay a lot of the time, um, especially with the more of the, the modern design of what green has become. And so it's kind of like, you know, I, I really like that, and I especially liked it for the elves that kind of multiply in mass, a bunch of tiny creatures that grow together. Um, but recently, I've, I've definitely leaned more towards black as kind of, like, a main color. And, you know, black is generally defined by the idea of, like, anything is a resource. And I really like the idea of, you know, utilizing everything that's on the board from your own creatures to your own life. Um, And particularly in the sort of, like, high-risk, high-reward gameplay um, that came from probably, like, I mean, I bought the the black C14 precon when given the option of all of them because it seemed the most interesting. I made the Selenia deck as one of my oldest decks, and that, like, you know is huge on the idea of draining your own life to almost nothing and then swapping it with someone else um, to have them deal with the consequences of your sort of, like, risk. So I've I've always just been so big on, you know, that black opens it up to no matter what you want to do, you can at this point, um, but it always comes with, like, that, that sort of, like, catch and price, and it feels just, like, super powerful to wield, even if it ends in some sort of devastating uh, losses. Chev, I, I'm going to actually agree with you and say that my, my monocolor pick is, is also black. I am not necessarily on the high-risk, high-reward sort of thing like you're saying, but uh, for me, a control mage at heart, it's all about versatility. It's all about being able to do uh, having all my options open, and black is really the only color that can hit all those bases. Um, you know, It can kill things reliably. It can draw cards. It can get card advantage in terms of reanimation. It has a lot of recursion, especially in terms of like sacrificing stuff and bringing it back. And also it has pound for pound, the best tutors, if you're willing to shell out the money. So 
the fact that black provides all those options for me, and especially if we're talking about strictly playing a monocolor deck, behind the philosophy, black is incredibly selfish, right? It, it really wants all black all the time. Um, it rewards you for playing mono black more than like a mono white or a mono green would. Um, so I really like that too, that when you're just really getting down to brass tacks, it rewards you even more. But once again, it's all about that versatility. Black can do anything um, as we've seen now with feed the swarm coming through. I, I like having all my options open and is black is what gives it to me, even if it's at the cost of a little bit of life or sacrificing a creature or two. So kind of jumping off uh, the point I made before with Tago and why I chose to play him over a blue partner commander for our, one of our drafts. Tago is a very silly man. So are you. Exactly. Yeah. So given knowing this, um, we can perfectly or we could see easily why red would be the color I think I most identify with. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, I'd say magic is a game about having fun for me. And I think uh, red is the most fun color in terms of how it plays and also sort of the lore of Magic the Gathering, particularly in the goblins department. You just see these guys, you know, there's nothing I can say that hasn't already been said about goblins and their antics, but it's sort of, it's very well summarized in Tago. Um, one other thing I'd like to mention is sort of the elemental aspect of the colors, which I'm surprised no one else really touched on. But I've always kind of had an association with myself and sort of like, uh, this is going to sound very like hippie of me, <laughs> but uh, like fire. Uh, no, not not fire, actually. And not <laughs> lightning. Blazing. <either>. Um, <laughs> Earth, actually. So okay. I remember back back in the day when, you know, we were sort of establishing starting to play Magic the Gathering with each other. I remember Julian asking me why I like red so much. And if it was because of Chandra, and I told him, no, it's because of Koth. I think Koth is awesome. I love my man Koth, and I love spells like Lava Axe, Shatter Skull Smashing. It's just like tempting the vengeance of Earth, and then Lava. Lava Lava's really cool, too. I think there was a time when you didn't run a deck that didn't have Volcanic, or the, the instant that destroys a non-basic land. Volcanic Offering, yeah. O volcanic Offering, that's it. Yes. Um. Speaking of Volcanoes, Valakut. Awesome. Mountains, also my favorite uh, scenery. <laughs> or, not scenery. My favorite, like, land <laughs> type. Like, it, I mean in real life, not, like, basic lands. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, um, okay, I, I, see where, I see where you're going yeah. now. Yeah, an island is just a partially submerged mountain. That's uh, all I have to say on that. Julian, I actually have a question for you. I think once upon a time you were known as and considered yourself to be a white mage and the rest of us frequently regard you as a blue mage w what say you in your defense to these claims so in terms of the blue mage like has been said many times i'm really the only control player here the only person who actively leans towards control and i think that control is oftentimes a lot of is a lot of times associated with blue just because of historical precedents, cards like Ancestral Recall, Force of Will, Mana Drain, Counterspell, all those these sort of things. When people think control, they immediately think those cards. And I also, especially in the beginning, was really the only person in our pod who played Counterspells, which basically, once again, only come in blue. So I think I got that reputation like that. But I think a lot of the things that appealed to me about blue, I could say the same thing about black. Once again, it's just about having all my options open. Blue plays at instant speed a lot. 
It has counter spells. It has bounce spells, which bounce encounters is basically blue's form of removal as opposed to destroying things in black, exiling things in white. And then also, obviously, the card advantage as well. Blue does it, I would say, slightly better than black, but black more than makes up for the rest of it. And I, I've just noticed recently that I enjoy pound for pound um, playing black cards more than I have blue. I think blue is very important to me in terms of having it in my deck to augment things, but I think that generally the cards that I enjoy playing more and that I want to be kind of like this, the focus are, tend to be more black than blue. Um, so I think that slightly has been a shift over time. So would you say that your two color is blue black? No, my two color actually is <laughs> different. Um, I I noticed that I was really the a lot of you guys had you know your one color and then you kept that color and added another color and then added another color and mine was really the only one that deviated. My two color actually is Simic. So allow me to sell out real quick. <laughs> um, we are primarily a casual play group. We don't really go to tournaments or anything, but I still like to win. I know that you guys still like to win too. And if I'm going to sell out, it's going to be this two-color pair, Simic. It's been the talk of uh, the town and also this this podcast. Recently, Simic has been very pushed. Uh, I don't like it because I liked Simic before that. Of course you did. Dude, my original commander deck was uh, Sick Momir Vig. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah that's true. Sick Momir Vig deck. Yeah, but um, you know, it almost kind of feels like now Wizards is like jumping on the bandwagon and I'm like, hey, I was here yeah. first. Um. But for, for me, Simic, once again, it's all about having those options. So blue, once again, gives me the flexibility to play at instant speed. And then green gives me the ability to ramp, ramp, ramp and have the mana to do whatever I want. Plus, I really love, uh, from the beginning, I really love like Leviathans and stuff. So the only way you're really ever going to be playing eight mana Leviathans is if you're casting your 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 far seeks and your explosive vegetations, you know, you know what I mean? So it's that sort of thing. I like that. Also, kind of like Oakwood was saying, there's like this sort of elementally backdrop to Simic that I like as well, um, and that sometimes comes through in my deck. So like water or yeah, ice, I just, I think, uh, grass. Yeah, ba- yeah, basically. <laughs> like Bulbasaur and Squirrel. You know? Oh, yeah. He's a big grass guy. That sort of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. The other thing I think is that a lot of the other, like blue-white and blue-black, um, which you might think would be like the next jumping off point from like a black or a blue I don't. I just don't really like those color pairs, and we'll talk about this later. But I, I just I don't exactly like the play patterns that they promote and have been pushed in terms of what cards have been printed. So, Simic for me. Uh, what's yours, Jeff? I think Wizards did a fantastic job when they introduced Ravnica as kind of like the sort of like base ideas for what each color pair kind of tries to do. And like, granted, when we see color pairs deviate from this it's always a super cool thing when they have a different sort of like underlying theme behind them. But for me, like it always comes back to the graveyard sort of like shenanigans of Golgari and the idea of kind of like pitching things into the graveyard and then bringing them back reanimator style. Like I talked about earlier with the kind of win at any cost of black and using life, primarily Golgari just puts cards into your own graveyard and bring back the coolest stuff since green and black both have awesome return from graveyard shenanigans. And then, like, you know, with, with the uh, Patrick deck I have, it's a similar sort of theme of, like, growth, but in a negative direction, which kind of also feeds into green-black a little bit. And we saw a similar thing with where the minus one, minus one counters were sort of focused in lore win and eventide. Um, so I, I'd really like, you know, on some level, it's the play styles that kind of draw me to the color pair as kind of like, oh, because I like these things, like, this is the color pair for me. Um, but at the same time, it does, like, 
on one level before I really had that idea. It was more like I had one hand full of green and one hand full of black and I just kind of smushed them together and ended up with like one of my first elf decks and led into Hepatra and led into a bunch of other ideas for decks I built. You had that Marin deck of like a very powerful Marin deck for a while. And when you took it apart, uh, I think when you had your brief, uh, I guess we could say your your brief affair with uh, things like Grixis and stuff, I was so confused because I was like, Chev loves green black. And plus that deck was so good, like almost maybe a little too good. But, uh, you know, I'm glad that you've you've come back to your home. It kind of goes into like, um, we'll we'll talk about it like later when we talk about, you know, things that we're not really for. But for me, it was kind of like Marin just made too much sense. Like the game plan was too linear with it. It's too value oriented over, to me, it felt like particularly strategy. So I, I want the things that like require a little more risk to them. Like when you pitch cards into your own yard, like you don't really know what's going to show up there. You've, you've planned it. So the statistics are, you're going to end up with something good most of the time, or you can take something from an opponent and that kind of works too, but it's all kind of like stats and you're kind of like making that bet or with Hepatra, it's a lesser sort of emphasized theme. So you end up pulling synergies yourself um, as opposed to diving into, Oh, this just brings back stuff from the graveyard. I'll just get the best stuff from the graveyard. Well, Chev, you you sound like you're loving life, you're loving death. I know Eric only loves life. That's, that is a fact. And as much as Oakley sort of brought up elemental stuff with monocolors, I actually really didn't even think about that. But then in this section, I was like, oh, and I love that they're a guild of, like, environmentalists. And they're, like, it's this guild of gardeners and, like, forest workers who have, like, this really cool and deep connection with nature. I think I, I am also a sucker for some good earthbending or earth-themed abilities, but I'm more on the on the lively earth side as opposed to the fire and death earth that Oak is bringing to the table. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I'm a Celestium mage when it comes to guild devotion, and that's pretty firmly set up by sort of what I said last time about monocolors. It's just sort of echoed and improved upon in Celestia, where, okay, now you have an even better removal package. You have the ability to go wide in addition to going tall. You have way more access to things that support token strategies and 1-1 counters, and just this great set of tools gets added on to what green already has and to white already has. And I think that, you know, of all the allied color pairs, though that's one of the ones where I look at it and I'm like, it makes perfect sense that these colors are allies. Like, they're so close to doing the same thing that they really cover up a lot of each other's weaknesses and carve out a really powerful space. Oh, sorry. I, I had zero transition for that. Um, this is, it, it is going to sound super lame, uh, that I'm very stuck in between two guilds. It's almost like, you know, it's, it's almost like we're already talking about three colors. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the Gruul clan was definitely my original favorite love. And I think much for the same reason Julian loves Simic is that I love red. I love big red creatures. And the best way to get to big red creatures is to play green ramp. So I want to play big dragons, I want to play little elves that help me get to those big dragons. And Gruul, I think, very much appeals to my, what Chev would probably call monkey side, <laughs> uh, where I'm kind of just chimping out and um, acting <laughs> very natural. <laughs> uh, I don't quite know how else to describe it. Um, on the complete opposite side of that, I think the first deck that I really put together uh, myself that I really enjoyed playing and thought did very well was an Is It uh, Spells Matter deck. 
And ever since playing that deck, I think I've fell in love with the guild. Not even just the guild, but the just the color pair more, in essence. Prowess, for example, is one of my favorite keywords of all time. So we did like a budget a standard event between the four of us. I played a Prowess deck and it won. And okay, I'm not trying, I swear this is me trying to just like rub stuff in. Um, just reminiscing on all, just all the good us. times I've had flexing with Blue Red. Because uh, it can be fun to play control, you know, a little bit of control uh, with just a little explosiveness. I think, Oak, you just really like the element of chaos that comes with red. Because, like, at least in the interpretation of the green-red color pair we see most frequently and blue-red, blue-red ends up with, like, crazy spells going off with none of the kind of, like, controllier aspects of blue-black or blue-white. It's kind of like if red, you know, shot lightning from your hands. And then the green-red is, like, red giant dragons if they smashed you in the face. So it, it seems like, you know, it's it's kind of like... At least what I'm interpreting this as is, like, we we all know you as red completely to the core in the magic sense, not the USSR sense. But, you know, <laughs> um, but then, like, it's kind of like you take different branches with that. How can I play with, you know, the best parts of red and have other colors kind of come and help out? Yes, I would say that that is, is very accurate. So is, is that kind of how you arrived at your three-color pair? Which, spoilers, it's... It's teamer, right? So you're just like, well, what if I could do both, right? It is teamer. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, teamer takes the best of my two favorite two-color combinations and crams them into one. Uh, you get to play all the busted spells that come with blue and green, all the fun spells that come in red and green, <laughs> and all of the... Oh, jeez. I can't find a good word to describe it. All, this, all, the, all the red-blue spells, too. <laughs> um, a little bit of spice. It's, it's hard to say why I like this color combo so much, and I know I know everyone else is probably thinking in their head right now, that's complete bullshit, you just love Maelstrom Wander. <laughs> I think, uh, sort of relating to Maelstrom Wander, and part of why I like Teamer so much is the fact that so many elementals run in that color combination. Uh, elementals, I think, are really just a neat idea. Kind of unique to magic and, like, Tolkien-esque worlds i guess you could say um in that they're just a force of nature just like you know a bunch of sticks and rocks that just get crammed together and but it's like where's their consciousness from <laughs> it just came to be one day <laughs> through like the energy of something and you know maelstrom wander is very much like that um we're talking about commander legends uh, i pulled him too and i can't even remember his name this is embarrassing um uh... Uh, Ember Wild Captain? No, uh, uh, well, Ember Wild Captain is awesome. Uh, but I was thinking actually of, now that I'm looking at it, Averna, the Chaos Bloom. Uh, there's that word chaos again. Elemental Shaman, who lets you put lands onto the battlefield as you cascade. Um, and, oh man, there's so many. Omneth, um, Animar. Oh lord. There's, there's too many to count. Um, and there's so many cool elementals in those colors. My hot take, Oak, is I don't think that you like Teemer for uh, Omnath. I think you like it for Guided Passage. From Scion of Ur-Dragon to Maelstrom Wanderer to your new Omnath deck, the one constant, besides probably Sensei's, has been Guided Passage. <laughs> I do love Guided Passage. Yo, that's a sick card. It is, a not it very, is an awesome card. It's an underappreciated in one of my pet cards. It's it's a lot of fun. I, I, I have my own theory why Oak likes Teemer. 
Um, and it may be related to the fact that a lot of the commanders are like, they're just the exhibit meme of like, yo, dog, you want some good things in your good things so you can good things while you good That's things. Right. And Maelstrom Wanderer is just like, hey, double cascade with an eight mana card. And you're like, That's incredible. Yeah. That's very powerful. And then it's like, also, everything has haste. Yes. What? Okay. That's the red part, dude. They have to go yes, fast. Yes, exactly. It's <laughs> like, you get a haste, all your creatures get haste, and then you get two good things to go with it. Like, what What more can a man ask for? Nothing. That's that's all there is to it. It's, you know what they say. Teamer. Three is company. Yep. Yeah, and Animar couldn't just be, whenever you play a creature, it gets bigger. It had to be, whenever you play a creature, it gets bigger. Also, your creatures are free. Teamer is hard scaling in my opinion it's just i want to say that animar also has like a, li- a little bit a little bit of xenophobia where it's like also if you're not in the teamer colors g- yep. get out <laughs> don't touch me <laughs> oh yeah i forgot about it. its third ability which is maybe one of its better ones <laughs> yeah because most of the good removal is in white and black oh yep. no anyway enough about uh enough about yeah. teamer legend back, to, back the team. to teamer as a whole uh chev looks like you're a fan of grixis which is only one color off of teamer and you know i, I kind of like you know, I'm, I'm not against black and white, but why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, ever since Oak opened a vampiric tutor from Iconic Masters in, like, a Christmas pack his parents got him, yep, um, he has been a slight fan of the black. But but for me, I, I mean, it's kind of like the, the natural progression that I feel once you have black and green. In my head, like, my first theme deck was Abzan, and I've thought about building an Abzan deck a few times. But for me, I, I'm not sure if it's just, like, I've never found an Abzan legend that I really clicked with, or it's just more I don't like the added ability of white to my already pretty like awesome suite of green black. So I find like a lot of the times what I end up looking at is that the Grixis color pair as like a whole has a lot more unique effects, I feel like. And this isn't just because of like Obika um, having the time stop ability in Commander Legends that I thought was super cool and the way it kind of like subverts how you think about the game. But also like with um, Nico Bolas that I ran for a while, it's kind of like this super cool big baddie. Um, and granted, that was more of like a, a smash em up kind of style um, with some light control. But I end up just feeling like even if it's not all the Grixis colors together, it, it's just Grixis as a whole of that three color. When you put that theme of like, it, it, it's kind of like warping certain aspects of the game, I feel like you could describe it. Because that includes coin flippers, that includes the, the turn uh stopping it includes like all these different abilities that are kind of like not necessarily that they don't have a home but they're just unique in their sort of presence and that's that's what i really like as grixis is kind of just like the group hug that puts them all sort of under the same blanket so you're saying that grixis is is kind of like the island of like misfit toys in terms of play styles and not even like play styles i would say in like themes because, like, you, you know, you can do all the same play styles, and maybe I'm just being, like, specific with wording, but I think it's, like, when a new keyworded ability comes out or something that's, like, new and never seen before in terms of, like, just something kind of ridiculous, it's more often than not inside the Grixis umbrella. And then you kind of, like, play with what Grixis offers because it's kind of, like, the, the color triumvirate that is prepared for weird so you're saying that green and white are kind of stuck in their ways like a certain selesium mage that we know i don't think the selesium mage is too upset about that <laughs> he will smash it if it didn't worked i wouldn't keep doing it <laughs> <laughs> if it ain't broke don't fix it and uh, all that Jeff, i think you raise a good point in that grix is probably by far has the most diverse abilities you've got stuff like 
very traditional, like, spell-slingers like Jalava. But on the complete other hand, you've got, you know, Thraxamundar, Nekusar, Centris? <laughs> yeah, the Traitor King. Yep. Yeah, all sorts of good stuff. I, I think I, I might know something you might like a lot. Um, it's this little thing called uh, Jund. Uh, it takes <laughs> the great parts of green and red. I know I've talked about green and red a lot. And I know you like black, so maybe you should... <laughs> and it takes the best things of black and red, and then you add them together, That's and right. you get black, green, and red. Right. Jund is just evil gruel. I, I definitely thought about Jund for a while. I still have that Karthus tyrant Dude, of Jund. rip Jund, him. He used um, to be like a $50 like card. Ago. I may have said if it didn't work, I wouldn't keep doing it about green and white, but green and white isn't the strongest. Like, it's... Green and white is the kind of person's like will shout at you from five blocks down the road and be like, I wanna punch you in the face and then they'll sprint straight at you for five blocks and punch you in the face. Like it's very telegraphed, it's very honest about what it's gonna do. It can be aggressive or it can be passive. You'll never not see it coming. It's going to be very upfront. That's not the recipe for success that I'm looking for. I wanna add the little little sprinkle of dishonesty, the little sprinkle of cheat to win from black. And as sort of the reasons Chev and Julian were giving at the start as to why that's their monocolor, that's the spice of life that I add in as my third color is, okay, we've had our good fun, we're playing the cards we like, now let's win the game with Abzan. It just sort of kicks the seriousness up a whole level, because if you're in Selesnia and you're running a deck that wants to win off enchantments or anything, you have to run Idyllic Tutor. If you're an Abzan, you just run demonic, vampiric, any number of tutors that just get cards, and they get them faster, and they get them better. Black just upgrades a deck immediately, and I think that looking at the cards that I enjoy and what I like playing, that's what makes the most sense in terms of just take it up to the next level. Speaking of taking it to the next level, it's Julian Plays Control Part 2, Electric Boogaloo, but this time with artifacts. Because my my preferred shard is Esper, which is blue, white, and black. So once again, it's all about the options. We already talked about black. You can basically do whatever you want with black. We're adding blue. I love blue. I love some trickery. We get counter spells. Uh, we also get uh, big, large, and often hexproof or shroudy finishers if we need, because... Uh, we do we do need to finish the game eventually, like Eric was saying. <laughs> eventually, eventually, eventually. I like to take my I like to have my fun, you know. Um, and we get white now, and I think white is really underrated, um, especially in Commander because it's probably the weakest monocolor that's been talked about on a million podcast articles, whatever. But I think white is really underrated because white is probably the best toolbox color. It has a bunch of silver bullets, a lot of effects uh, that when you're playing control, like I am want to, um, can really help slow down or stop other strategies um so that you can kind of set up for a win things like rest in peace things like blind obedience things like linvala keeper of silence all these sort of uh you know unique effects that really for better or worse can hamper other game plans um it also has all the best exile which is ever more important um as the graveyard is a much more uh, abused resource let's say and also a lot of really good uh artifact and enchantment destruction that in general blue and black don't have so white is like a really nice augment to all of that another thing that's cool that was really pioneered in the original shards of alara block where they first started really pushing these three color combos was that esper was really uh, associated with artifacts and i don't like colorless cards as much as chev might we might talk about that later or um, artifacts in general as much as oak might in our early days he had a couple dedic dedicated artifact decks and also a Duretti deck but i do 
Really appreciate the utility that comes with artifacts. Also, them just being colorless, so you can put them in any deck. Uh, and plus, since now Esper is giving me that sort of benefit for caring about artifacts, or there's a lot of things in Esper that just happen to be artifact creatures or whatever, now you can kind of get into some things. I had a Shroom the Hegemon deck for a, a while that uh, did a lot of like looping of artifacts and recursion of artifacts and stuff like that. So once again, we're back on our same old uh, bullcrap. Um, I'm playing control, but now I just have more tools in my arsenal to do it. And, uh, you know, a few, a few big shiny sphinxes to beat your face in to finish the game. So now, now that we've kind of discussed what colors we're working in, um, I guess we should talk about what sort of things we like doing in those colors, at least a little bit more specifically, um, because each color thankfully does have a lot of options within it. Wizards has done a great job of kind of keeping a lot of those avenues open for us, but we might talk about there are some that we like and some that we're not so hot on. Eric, you look like you wanted to say something. I absolutely do. If there is one thing that just irks me in a certain specific way within the realm of magic, it is a deck that has no idea what it's doing in terms of aimless wandering around EDH rec and other good card recommenders. You can end up with a deck that is good or powerful, but doesn't have a win con. And unfortunately, I think that a lot about the color blue. Other than sort of cheating to win the game with alternate win conditions, it's just kind of like, oh, I'm going to draw some cards, I'm going to make some value, but doesn't really have like a killer instinct game plan, like colors like red and green provide at the baseline, and then as you get up into two and three colors, the options sort of expand out more into like getting really aggressive, getting in there and saying, this is how I will win the game, and sort of declaring that. And so the sort of the honesty of Selesnia that I mentioned sort of falls right in line with that in terms of like, I'm going to try and kill you to win this game. I, Eric, I would like to uh, agree with you and also disagree with you. So I, I agree that I don't like decks that don't know how to win the game. I think we've discussed this a few times on the podcast and several times just between the rest of us, but people who play stacks just for the sake of playing stacks or things like that. Um, or control just for the sake of playing control. I definitely know that I was there for a moment until I realized, oh yes, I do need to finish the game. Maybe I only have one or two actual win conditions, but I still have them. They're still there. I can still actively work towards that goal. So I agree with you there. I was kind of hoping that you were going to throw a little bit more shade um, uh, and just kind of call things out, but I'll do it for you. Um, I think things like Demir, I think things like Saltai, since it's just the three best colors in EDH pretty much de facto, they just play good cards. And I think you're right. They don't ever really have a game plan or god forbid they have a game plan which is basically the salt game plan is self mill and if you're doing that i just know you're a degenerate anyway but the, the other thing i want to talk about uh because you were bringing up blue and you mentioned demir earlier is i hate mill which is why demir was not my two color because demir just gets pushed like all the demir legends um are like mill stuff and I hate mill. It's denying people the ability to play the game in one of the worst ways, in my opinion. It just also is very boring for me. So I, I really, uh, I don't like that. And if you are coming and trying to mill me or mill the table, I'm going to target you. I didn't realize that we were going for the throat out here. I'm happy to really keep this ball rolling. Um, I agree with you that at the bare minimum, Dimir is just not a fun or exciting color in almost any way. I feel, I hate to say this to you, Julian, I feel very similarly about Esper and generally colors that care about artifacts. Is it? I also like the, the is it part of <laughs> artifacts. 
I'm I'm just so not here for I'm playing generic colorless mana that's good at anything, so I'm just gonna go ahead and make mana, deal damage, generate resources, like all these effects that are supposed to be best in color. Colorless just goes and does them, and you're like, why are you like this? What what gives you the right, sir? Alright, who wants to who wants to slap back at him first? Because I think he called all of us out. <laughs> but it sounds like Julian's taking the reins. <laughs> I'm going to go first just because I think I'm going to be able to hit the rest of my points and then I'll let you guys go for a bit. Once again, disagree and sort of agree. I've made my agree points. I do have to say, though, I respect in terms of like Selesnya and I think Oak's probably going to say some things about Gruul. I expect I respect the straightforwardness of it. But once again, for, you know, let's play a drinking game. How many times has Julian said, I like control and I like having all these options open. Um, I don't like that straightforwardness when I'm playing generally. Um and one of the biggest ones is I hate token decks. Julian, <laughs> you um, just ran one in Popper EDA. I was trying to go outside my comfort zone, and guess what? I hated it, okay? It's way too conspicuous. As a control mage, one of the big things is you're trying to not draw attention, right? Because generally, you don't have the, the threats out there. You might not even have blockers. So it's way too conspicuous. You get absolutely wrecked by board wipes. I know because I have wrecked token players aka you and sometimes oak and sometimes Jeb, <laughs> many times with a single a single two white white you know the, the one of, one of the best casting costs is two white white also it's just so much work to keep track of like why would i want all these tokens like and then god forbid you're putting one one counters on them it's just so much work i'm like i just want to end of turn flash in a flying hexproof seven seven and just smack you right in your face like two times and be done with it i don't want to have to deal with like oh i'm going to the combat step all right i'm swinging with this guy and with this guy and with this guy and with it and then god forbid they're different tokens and it's like all right what do you got coming well i got three one ones but only two of them have plus one plus one counters and then i got a two two this guy's a three three but he has menace and, and i'm just like this is the worst Math is for blockers. That's all I have to say. There's a reason I love it and you hate it. <laughs> I don't block. I just make it so that you can't attack by killing all your stuff first. <laughs> all right, Chev. I want to hear what you got. So I, I was going to bring up if Eric didn't. His general dislike of colorless um, is really something that's festered for, I think, years. Or at least as long as I've had <laughs> the current iteration of the Eldrazi deck helmed by Kozilek. It was before then. It's not Eldrazi's fault. Chev, I think that all three of us, though, kind of share a similar feeling like that so but carry on carry on i mean like the the thing and i think maro just had to defend this on the odds and ends for commander legends is like a colorless can do like it isn't confined by a color but it does it at a much higher cost a lot of the time so yeah you have like the broken artifacts of days gone by like mana vault mana crypt soul ring um anything else that just gets you that mana faster tron lands but, like, the, the one, you know, main removal spell that Colorless has is seven mana. Like, outside of, you know, the Eldrazi themselves just being a, a threat, um, there are, you know, a couple artifact commanders, and there's just, like, broken artifacts, because sometimes, like, when there are artifact sets, uh, until Wizards has kind of come up with this idea to have more colored artifacts that kind of give a, a harder chance to play these sort of really groundbreaking effects. Uh, the Great Henge comes to mind. Um, but you know, before that they struggled a lot with like, do we give this tool to all colors? And then it becomes too powerful. I'm not going to lie. I'm okay with them, you know, messing up and making a few too powerful colorless cards, especially when I run 99 of them. So I think it's just like, all of you guys are upset that, you know, you, you think about all these color pairs and intricate systems and why they work. But at the end of the day, if I come through with a big noodle boy, I can do the one thing Julian hates more than mill, which is 
exile the top 20 cards of his deck, which personally I get a great kick out of when his whole decks are based around, you know, trying to outvalue everyone else. It's just, boop, all gone. And that brings me joy. And it's really the simple thing. You're things. a really evil bastard. Besides, besides Colorless, which is kind of like my guilty pleasure of just bring out the big guns and smash things. It's really, like I kind of mentioned with Grixis, I don't like things that are too simple or too simplistic or too just value-oriented. So, you know, there's there's the Sultai commander that Julian had a, a, is it Damia? The one that, like, your hand is always seven cards. Stone Sage? The yeah, the Stone Sage. And it's like, cool, this doesn't really enable any strategy. I mean, besides if you had some weird card draw trigger thing. But it's like, you always have resources. And to me, that's just not fun. Like, you look at Muldrotha and, you know, yes, both of these are Sultai. And it's like, okay, you bring stuff back every turn. Yes, you can make unique things out of it. But at the end of the day, it's just value engine they don't to me at least like i want something that i can dig a little bit deeper into i like i like strategy like minus one minus one counters or you know turn stop effects or i had a zedru deck that i i built for like a couple months or even Tashiro i really like for his reanimator but it's super like conditional to black instance and so you kind of have to build more around these themes and so the decks that require less of a dedicated package to run correctly um i find less enjoyable because Yes, I can slot anything I want in there and kind of make it my own. But at the end of the day, I'm just getting value out of it. It doesn't feel interesting to me. It's not unique in any particular way. Tim, I, I got to say thanks there. Uh, I know you were holding off talking about Maelstrom Wander as just a pure value <laughs> uh, commander. And so uh, I got to commend you for that. Um, in exchange, I won't talk about your decks that do nothing but play cards that piss people off intentionally. Um, <laughs> instead... now, I haven't made Nico Bolas in ages. I mean, there was oh, one time. There was one time when I had that, and oh, it got to the point where I was window. like controlling the board, and I just had nothing to do with it. But I mean, sounds like a I, I guess you could say here. that with Tashiro because all it does is it's a removal tribal, right? Jeff, do we want to talk about the time that Julian had no lands left in his deck? That was fun. I think that was the zenith of that was your style game. of gameplay when we when we tried to do different different formats and we all like proxied up decks for the different formats and i think it was legacy or vintage and i decided the best thing to do because i saw sinkhole was a card for two mana and i was like what if i ran land destruction that's got to be a deck right and it kind of was i had a great time playing it you smashed me in game two then i came back with a vengeance in game three i only needed that game two the look of desperation on your face has fueled me for all these years. <laughs> it wasn't really desperation. After after like the first two or three times, it was just kind of resignment. You know, I'll take it. Submission. Jeff, I think you burning wished additional land removal cards into existence. That sounds like a good call. I commend past me. Anyway, che- Chev is a, a, a spiteful and a hateful uh, punk. We've established that. O- so, you were saying. yeah. So, I, anyways, like I said, I, I, you know, I won't mention that because uh, that was just, that was a small part in Chef's <laughs> life. It was a dark time. God forbid. Um, what I do have to mention, though, and I'm sorry, Eric, I'm going to come at you, the being the CDH player, yeah. is that I hate strategies that involve infinite combos. And I would like to explain for a sec why I think infinite combos that are worse than, you know, combos that are good but not infinite and... Uh, just casting big spells like a big debt to the deathless. Um, and the reason is because I think flavor-wise, from a magic lore perspective and from a card design perspective, um, I infinite combos are just a complete failure in both aspects. There's never been a card that's 
planned to go infinite with another card. Every single one has been an oversight on Wizards' part. Um, because it makes no sense, you know, I'm not trying to bring the laws of thermodynamics into uh, a fantasy game, but it's like, where's the infinite energy coming from? Like, where's the infinite mana? Where are the in infinite creatures? A lot of creatures? Fine. A lot of mana? Fine. But infinite? Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and it usually results in an instant win. And kind of makes me feel like everything I'd done up until the game at that point or was worthless. Ironically, uh, the colors I feel like this happens the most often in are ones that I like, which are red, blue, and green. Um, probably the only color that's actually like not really guilty of this is white, I guess. Because <laughs> um, it happens in black, too. So, you know, I'm not... My hands aren't completely clean of this. But, uh, Eric, I know you want to say something, so just go for it. <laughs> No, I want to actually largely agree with you. A, I think that alternate win conditions, which are like even the next logical leap beyond infinite combos, where a, sm a weird looking fish woman it, at the bottom of the ocean looks at a ball and goes, you're dead now. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Cool. <laughs> May I have another, ma'am? From a lore perspective, I 100% agree with you that like, dude's going nuts in the lab just ripping the levers and then all of a sudden i die for no reason like i i don't get lab man and thassa's oracle and cards like that from a design perspective where you know what i think alternate win conditions are a hilarious meme like you're sitting there and you're like all right army to army mage to mage let's do this and then they're like i got i got every color I got all the colors and all the lands. You're dead now. Like, that's such a bad card that I don't care how, like, Coalition Victory works. But when the cards get good, like, I, I feel the same about alternate win cons that you do about combo. I thought you were talking about door to nothingness there, which I think just speaks for itself and how, how silly they are. Because it's essentially the same thing, right? Like, I have all colors. You lose. You lose. All I'm saying is if I win 10 coin flips, I should win. <laughs> and if that comes from a genie that can just flip infinite coins due to bad templating, that's that's not my problem. Chev, it is my problem, though. <laughs> I hate that, first of all. I hate that that's <laughs> the, the second that I Julian think found and I think that combo garbage. was one of the most amazing moments of my life. As he kind of just like, I think we were at your place in Maryland, and I played it, and then the game was just kind of over, and you were like, wait, what? Why? That's <laughs> yeah. dumb. I think it's total I think I think it's total garbage. I if if there is a specific rules interaction, say the classic is like Kiki Jiki plus Splinter, Splinter Twin, right? Like we can clearly establish and see what's going on. But the fact that people just couldn't write rules text and also they were just like, well, technically if I just keep flipping from now until eternity, eventually I'll get all the flips that I need. I think that's garbage. You made me flip coins. You made me flip coins until I got like five wins and you're like, fine, you know what? Whatever. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> I was hoping it was going to disincentivize your bad behavior. You're like, you're like a child. I have to put you in time out. Um, but anyway, going off Oak and Eric's thing, I think that you're right. They're not exactly the most, generally the most interesting thing. And I, I think that at least in the beginning, wizards didn't, they weren't like, oh, you see this card? In two sets, there's going to be another card, and oh boy. I think r recently they might do a little bit just for older formats, but I think it also is a function of the game that when you're playing against people, um, especially in the CADH realm, Eric, where people want to win, that people are going to leverage all the options that they can. You know, it's, it's a function of the game, and therefore it is a tool that I can use 
to win said game. So I think it's just a, a necessary, not a necessary evil, but it's just something that you kind of have to accept. Um, the great thing about commander and, and play groups like this is that you can kind of have that rule zero thing where it's like, Oh, well, you know, there's an infinite combo in my deck, but it's not like I'm running any tutors or, you know, we just don't play with infinite, infinite combos or whatever. And I think that's a really important thing that we've talked about multiple times is kind of just, uh, what, what is, what is comfortable and what is, uh, the most fun play experience for all of us. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox now. I, I, I would love to go back to throwing shade. Um, I got one more thing I got to bring up since I've, since I've uh, sort of picked on Chev and Eric a bit. Um, I got to talk Come about one me. more strategy I'm that I'm, I'm not a big fan of. Yes, Julian, this is coming. I'm going straight for the heart. I really am not a big fan of... And, and actually, this is a very Commander-exclusive playstyle issue, I would, I would say. I guess it's not it's not an issue. It depends on how you look at it. But um, it's something I, I really hate to go against. And that's decks that play uh, a little bit too politically. And uh, this is very common in, like, I think Blue and White especially, uh, which we do see Julian play a fair amount. Uh, but just, like, the, the epitome of it to me is... When you say you're going to attack someone or you're going to target something with a removal spell, and Chev's already smiling, and the person says, are you sure you want to do that? (laughs) It's like, I'm a man. I have a job. (laughs) I have a degree. I shave. I pay rent. I can make decisions for myself. I'm attacking you. And the worst part is, sometimes, like... Probably at least fifty percent of the time, you're totally right. You're just like, oh man, I should have hit that. <laughs> but you said the thing, threat. and now I just want to hurt you directly. You said it, yeah, and you pissed me off. So now I don't <laughs> care if I lose. <laughs> no, no, I, I will admit, I definitely used to play the political angle a lot, um, and I think I've gotten better and more nuanced with it. I also think another thing is that this is a four-player game; it's a social format. So I think that part of that is that sort of thing, and also the whole aspect of threat recognition and Eric's got a board full of a bunch of huge creatures. And I just countered a spell that was about to kill your creature. So maybe like you, you know, maybe you just wouldn't hit me, but I also recognize that sometimes people just, people just got to smash. You see listeners, this is what we deal with, (laughs) with when we try and make attacks, when we try and cast spells, when we try to resolve omniscience, it's just constant. (laughs) Why didn't you counter that? Who's dealing with this? Because I'm the only man. Oh. I'm the only one at the table de- dealing with anything. Everybody else right, is just right, like, all right, all right, all right. Let, oh, let me finish. He's, all right, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> let me finish. I just, I, again, I'm not meaning to target this of Julian. This, that's mostly a joke just because he's the one that plays the most politically charged colors. Uh, yes, yes, often. agreed. And you do, like, again, like you said, um, you do see decks like that sort of, like, creep up and, like, we're all, we're all here to kill each other. That's the that's the bottom line. And sometimes, I think, when, what a when people message. get caught up in politics, you just lose sight of that. We're all here um, to murder. Exactly. That's right. I think on that wholesome message, I think we can, I think we can wrap it up. This, this <laughs> cast true. has already gone. We, very we all long. hate things, but at the end of the day, we all just want to murder each other. And that's really the, the tie that binds. Yeah. I mean, if this, if this went any longer, I think we just start throwing some more shade. So remember that you can find this podcast on anchor on Apple podcasts on Spotify and wherever else better podcasts are found. If we are not on your favorite podcast streaming service, uh, hit us up at hexdrinkers at gmail.com. Let us know and we will get it there as soon as we can. 
If you want more content, check out our website, hexdrinkers.com. You can see articles, videos. Uh, you can see if we're streaming live on Twitch at hexdrinkers. And you can also see this as well as future and previous podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and or Instagram at Hexstreakers. Chat magic with us. Check out picks. Uh, Chev's going to be posting some of the things that we pulled from our Commander Legends draft. Provide us any hot takes. Tell us what you want to see covered next, uh, what you want to see happening. Uh, like I said, follow us on Twitch. Eric has been holding down the fort there. I've uh, been playing a lot of EDH on Magic Online. Hopefully the rest of us are going to be coming through soon with a bit more content and to ease the load from him. Also follow us at the Hex Drinkers on YouTube. Um, it's kind of the Wild West out there right now, but we're hoping to populate that a bit more in the future. This has been the Hex Drinkers. Uh, I'm Jewel. I've been joined by Oak, Eric, and Chev, the full crew. And for this week, we are signing out. <laughs>